Fellow teammates, welcome to another episode of the Move Swiftly podcast. I am your host, Aswan Crookshank, the founder of Gym 44 Recruiting and author of Swiftly, Your Guide to Innovative Teamwork. Teammates, 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 once again, I, I truly, truly appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, the, the support has, as usual, I tell you guys, the support has been tremendous. And I cannot wait to, to tell you guys about this guest. A, a couple weeks ago, you guys heard from Jessica Perez. And you, you heard how passionate and, and how of a connected person she was. So she introduced me to a, another colleague of ours, actually, now. His name is Christopher Moss. He's the author of several books, you know, primarily dealing with anxiety, and we're going to get into all that stuff today. So before I get to go any further, Mr. Christopher Moss, how's it going today, my man? I did, thank you. Hello from over the pond. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, he's not even, he is all the way coming from, where, you're coming from UK, correct? That's correct, yeah, from England. A nice he's little from England. Yeah. So teammates, this is a legendary moment. I have my first guest from England, and it's about <laughs> to get real pumped because we're both authors, both like yeah. to write. We're both in that driving business to where by the end of this conversation, you are going to be driven to do something great. I could guarantee you that because you can feel the energy. Let's go, Chris. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the first thing I want to ask you, though, because I, I read... I read your profile on Amazon.com before we got into, uh, before, just to prepare for this. And I noticed that you have a lot of books, like a series of books on anxiety. Yep. And, and before I go any further, I just, just to, to sort of set the conversation, can you give me your definition of anxiety? Oh, Brian, that's a really good question. The, the way I see anxiety, it's something that um, is trying to protect you. And it's gone a bit awry. It'd probably be my um, best description. Um, it's protecting you. It's searching for things to make sure that you are in your comfort zone and nothing happens to you. Um, unfortunately, that works for us um, to a certain yeah. degree. But now in life, you know, 2,000 years ago, it's worked really, really well. And, um, you know, having this sort of like your amygdala um, focusing on on any threats that you had. But now those threats are, are not quite so life-threatening, um, but we still have that sort of like focus from our brain. So it can be very, very difficult at times. As I say, I'm somebody who's suffered for 30 plus years. That's quite a difficult question, actually. I'm not actually thought of it like that, but so uh, yeah. <laughs> now, when you say it's a comfort zone, can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah, um, well, we, we all have our sort of comfort zone. As, as they always say, comfort zone, you know, nothing grows there, but- right. um, it, Yeah, it, absolutely, absolutely, I'm with you. It's a safety net, you know. That's yeah. what you come from. It's a safety net. It's something that you know you don't want to venture out, and, and if you do, that's when you start having feelings of anxiety and feelings of worry. But the thing with with that is, if you stay in that comfort zone, then mm -hmm. actually your comfort zone gets smaller. It doesn't get bigger. Yet, yes. So then, so you actually you actually backtrack rather than moving forward. But that's what your comfort zone is. Yeah, and I did a previous episode, and I uh, I sampled uh, Seth Godin, who's an incredible author. Yeah. I love. He's author of many marketing books, but I yeah. sampled his voice, and he was talking about how you know when people say I would love to do something, but my boss won't let me, 
I would love to do that, but my boss won't let me. But when, when people say that, what they're really saying is no one's giving them an effective place to hide. Yeah. Right? Because think about it. If you, if you go to your boss and you say, I want to do this, I want to do this cool and exciting thing, and if it works, I'll get the credit, and if it doesn't, you'll get the blame. Nobody yeah. would take that deal. No. You know, so that, that touches on when you say comfort zone, I immediately thought of that because that's the world we do live in. We want the boss, quote unquote, to tell us what to do and how to live our life. You know, yeah. so I'm really, um, I, I never even made the connection between anxiety and comfort zone until you just said that, <laughs> to be honest with you. So you just took me somewhere on that one. Now, my, my next question though is, what made anxiety or helping people deal with anxiety, what made it your life work? What made it something that you, you, you are so passionate about? Well, um, my it's basically, I don't want to give you too much, but say my story starts when I was 10 years old and mm -hmm. I've been, and my brother passed away uh, to cancer and I blame myself for his death because it was the chickenpox virus that came into the house that actually killed him and, and I was the first person to have it. So that sort of, you know, at 10 years old, and this is back in the 80s when there wasn't counsellors or anything like that. I just had to deal with it myself. And, you know, obviously, oh my I blame myself. Um, 35 years later, I was a victim of an armed robbery. Um, and that sort of like, well, not 30, yeah, about 30 years ago. That's 30 mm -hmm. years after that. So about five years ago. And it just completely devastated me and got to the point where I just wanted to end my life to stop, stop the suffering and pain. But it changed me as a person and made me quite driven. And, you know, I realized that actually I've had these skills and tools that I've in talent and experience mm -hmm. that I've had all these years and I've not used it. And I want to help other people, you know. I want to show them that little old me, can overcome it and start growing and doing well and writing books about it and becoming bestseller and, and doing more than anxiety and helping people with, you know, who, who struggle with actually writing a book, whether it's a first book or whatever, helping with all that, their mindset, all that sort of stuff and getting quite obsessed with mindset. Um, that's for me, that's what's happened to me. That's my little story really. Um, I want to help other people. I don't want others to go through the pain. Right, that right, right, right. Um, there's a little tiny little story that I had my first. Yeah, go ahead. We story. have like a, we have unlimited time, so tell tell whatever you will in the share, man. Appreciate you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I my first book was released, and um, a ten year old girl managed to get hold of it, and it isn't it's not adult, but it was a few bits in there that are quite hard hitting. But she managed to get hold of a copy of the book, and for me, it was you know. If I'd only helped that helped her, then that was enough for me because she basically turned around to her mum and said, "Oh my God, um, I thought it was just me who felt this way." Um, so the fact that she knew that she was suffering because I didn't realise how bad I was suffering until the arm robbery five years ago. I thought that you know I was it, it just just me. I just did deal with it, get on with it. But then when I started looking into it and analysing where where I was. It was quite a powerful mm -hmm. moment for me to understand that actually I've had crippling anxiety for 30 plus years and I didn't wow. really know what I was going through. And the fact that this girl, this uh, 10 year old girl, realised that she's got this, it gives her that power to go, okay, this is what wow. I've got. And, now, and there's other people that are suffering too. I can do something about it, which was, I have to say, I teared me up. I got quite emotional with that. Wow, man. I mean, uh, so you carried that since you were 10 and well first of all my condolences you know that thank you for sharing that i know that wasn't easy and i appreciate your transparency first and foremost 
Um, but at 10 years old, you go through that and you, you didn't let it go until you saw someone else go through it. If I'm hearing yeah. you correctly. And then I realized what I'd gone through and I yes. then, um, on my own, pretty much rebuilt myself, mm -hmm. um, the opportunity to see death in the face with the armed robbery, um, was yes. life changing for me. And, and I, I, I wrote a book and, and that was quite cathartic and able to, so it was my therapy to be honest with you. Um, I put things in that book that I'd never written and thought it said to another soul. So it was quite um, a powerful thing for me. And, you know, my wife sort of read it as well. So, wow, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I had messages from people that knew me and go, oh my God, I didn't realize that you suffered so badly. You know, so um, that was my sort of thing that actually I'm sharing these to people and, and it's inspiring others as well. And, and that's really sort of got me going and trying to help others. And not just in, in anxiety. Well, to be honest with, you, with, with helping with people that write, I'm, I'm helping them with their mindset and with their anxiety struggles and with stress and that type of stuff as well. And I'm doing it in my job. So it's not like um, I'm doing that quite a bit at the moment with COVID. I think a lot of people are in a lot of turmoil. There's just like a, a collective trauma, if I'm honest, at the moment. And I think that uh, people don't realise what they're suffering with. And, and again, this is an opportunity for, for people that have suffered to be able to help and guide those that don't realise what they're going through. Yes, and, and I'm so excited that you said that because there's so many people that are suffering on their own, especially yeah. the ones listening in right now. Mm. Whatever you're going through, you cannot get there on your own. You cannot get there on your own. Please yeah. jot that down. You guys have probably heard me say that hundreds of times on this very podcast. And it's been consistent with every single guest. I mean, by the time you guys hear this one, you would have heard from two different two cancer survivors and now you have one who had a, a brother who tragically but you can't get there on your own all right no. there's so many people out here that are suffering on their own and they're dealing with these issues and you're, you're you're trying to just muddle through this life especially in a world that's shrinking especially in a world where there is no secrets there aren't that you can't make it if you don't have some type of presence online if you're not willing to be criticize if you're not willing to, to to open up your story to somebody in some way and help somebody in some way all right so team it is so very important that we find the resources and we find the the things that are going to get us through the next day because we can become very suicidal if we don't help if we don't help each other in this yeah. very very small that's why i start every every podcast i do with teammates that's why my whole aura my whole thing about what i do is teammates 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 because I've suffered my own, I mean, I've had my own anxiety issues. And if I didn't open up and if I didn't figure out ways, I mean, this is the first time Chris and I even have a conversation and it's not even what, five minutes in Chris, and we're already connected. We're already feeling it, like, let's go. You know, it's because we've accepted the fact that when you, either when you put a book out or you're willing to share your story, there's certain things that happen to you that you understand it's like triggers. Like you turn on a light switch to where we gotta keep moving and we, we gotta figure things out. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with all that, and, and that's what made it so well, difficult. Um, you know, for, so difficult for me. And I, I, in my first book, I, I mentioned that you know I, I was sort of like arrogant to think that I could do it on my own, um, mm -hmm. and I could 
my own will I could do it and, and that's not true by being more open to others and inspiring them and, and you know then getting that feedback and sort of working with other people that I could sort of grow myself so um and and you know work together you know I think that's the, the great thing isn't it you know being yeah. open and honest I was really surprised when I um, started telling people that I suffer with anxiety and, you know, I'm writing a book about it. I expected, I sort of winced, you know, in, inwardly expecting people to go, what? What are you, what, what are you talking about? You know, um, but like, so many people went, actually, yeah, I suffer too. And you sort of, like, wow. And, you know, anxiety doesn't discriminate, doesn't care who you are. If, you know, once it get, grabs you, it's got you. You know, you've got so many famous um, actresses, you've got famous football players, you know, or soccer, and, as they call it in the uh, US, um, that have suffered with anxiety or suffer with anxiety. You know, people like Oprah Winfrey, she's she's had a m mental breakdown. Um, mm -hmm. You've had David Beckham, who suffered with OCD. You know, Emma Stone. You know, there's, there's absolutely loads of people that suffer. So, you know, I don't, I just want to sort of encourage people to understand that, you know, you're not alone. And we are genuinely all in this together. Yeah, and you know, I, uh, I I I've spoken about this in the past. I went I went to a school that was predominantly white, and I okay. I'd been in different environments. I went to public school, I went to a private school, and then in my college, I was at a liberal arts college in Tennessee. I moved back home to Maryland, and I went to a public college at Stony Brook University in New York. And I was just uh, with a funny name like Aswan Crookshank. I had those similar feelings in every single place I was. And I get your point when it comes to being afraid to express that. Do you think it's something different when it comes to men? Because I, I, this is one thing that I've always envied women with, yeah. is their ability to say how they feel. You know, even in relationships, even in whatever it is, women aren't afraid to cry at early at a certain age. They're not afraid to say, I love you at an early age. Do you think yeah. it's something within us men that, makes it a little difficult to express our anxiety issues? Um, I'll be honest with you, yes. Particularly mm -hmm. my age group, which in, you know, older, in the 40s, um, yeah. we've got the highest um, death rate. Um, and I think that what we have is that we were told, stiff up a lip, this is obviously a UK thing, stiff up a lip, um, you don't show your emotions, you certainly don't cry. Um, you know, you, you just sort of have to, hold it in and you're the, the strong person and you've got to be there for your family and, and be there for your loved ones and stuff and, and just not show it. You know, very, very early on, you're, you're told not to show your emotions. You know, you're strong if you don't cry. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I get quite wound up by stuff like that. You know, I used to get um, quite mocked quite a bit when I was in my sort of like um, teens and, and a little bit younger because I did show a bit more emotion. And, you know, I got called gay, which is a ridiculous thing to, you know, to say to somebody. It um, doesn't, doesn't matter what sort of um, sex you are. But that was something that was an insult in those days. Um, all because I've heard a bit of emotion. Likewise, uh, people, yeah, likewise. Which is, is ridic absolutely ridiculous. So, so you think about it, so why, why are you telling men to shut up shop and, and not open up and, and be who they are? You know, we, you need men now more than ever to, to be sort of like honest, open and vulnerable and, and, and sort of to cry. And, and that's something I've encouraged my son and, and the people that I know, to, you know, we, crying isn't a weakness. Actually, it's a complete opposite you know, for me, you know, being able to, to open up and just share how you feel. Again, blokes, you can compare, contrast 
what um, this is from my viewpoint, my experience. Uh, women will sit there and they'll talk about their feelings, or talk about struggles they've got, and all that sort of stuff as, as you know, as friends. Whereas us blokes, we'll just go to the pub. Again, this is from the UK and sort of my era. We'll go to the pub and we'll just chat about football and 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 women, and that's pretty much it. There's a very surface level discussion. There's no deeper thing. And when we do start talking to ourselves, you know, this is in the past. People don't, you know, you don't want to talk about it. So, look, what are you talking about? <laughs> What's going yeah. on here? Yeah, we sort of freak out a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting, but but you bring something up because again, you and I, I I've dealt with those same issues, and I was I was in a football locker room and being sensitive and being all that stuff that was a no no. But was what was interesting to me is no one, you know, no one made fun of you when you cried after a loss. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what that's what kind of threw me off. But but anyway, my my question, and you don't have you could answer this any way you want is I don't see that problem going away. I, I think that it's so like the advertising and the, the way we're wired as men, it's always yeah. going to be in a way where we got to be the, the, the tough ones. We can't be sensitive. But you mentioned how you teach your son. And, and I think a lot of listeners, including myself, would be interested in hearing what are some of the strategies that you may use to teach your son, because I have a nephew myself who's getting up there in age. What are some of the strategies you use to maybe not give it to him all at once, but maybe, you know, day to day, give him a little bit, you know, crying is cool. What are some of your, your tactics? Well, if I'm honest, my son's 13 now. Um, mm-hmm. I the best way of teaching them, and I do talk to him about experiences that I've had and, and what I've been through, and, and I'm really, really open and honest with him, if I'm honest. And, and he's heard a lot of conversations that I've had about how I felt when, I got to my lowest point where I wanted to end my life. He's heard all of that, you know, um, being open and, and saying, you know, I've sort of taught him that, you know, if you're feeling down, you need to talk to us. You need to be able to be open, but also how I act. I think that's quite a good way as well to, to see that, you know, and, mm. and he's like, oh, as if he's crying. I said, that's a sign of strength. And I'm quite adamant with that. That may not go uh, in my favor, but I just do feel that he needs to sort of like see that, how I behave, because that's the best way they learn, if I'm honest, how I behave, yes. how I come across. And when we were talking about um, men and how it is now, we as leaders, as how we are, we've got to show people by how we are, you know, mm-hmm. see people behaving in the manner that actually, you know, inspires others by being vulnerable. I think I'm starting to see it a little bit more, you know, um, in, mm-hmm. in the UK in particular, of being a bit more open and honest, but there's still that sort of like stoic, not showing your emotion. But for, for as far as my son's concerned, you know, he has ADHD. He has this sort of, he has a blessing of ADHD, if I'm honest. It's a blessing and a curse. Amazing yes. talent, you know, um, absolutely amazing talent. But on the other side of the coin, he, you know, he, he struggles sometimes with um, behavior and, and stuff, but that's, that's to be expected with what he's got. But he, um, you know, he learns, he soaks it all up. And that's really all I do is just try and be me on a regular basis. And yes. so he can learn that's what, that's, you know, that's the norm. That's how he should be. And, and, and yeah. when, he, when he just sort of like say, starts, you know, crying, you know, he's uh, for wimps, I, I'm, I'll put him straight and say, no, if you feel you need to cry, you cry because that's, you know, you need to get that release. And, and the weird thing for, for people that don't realize, when, when you do actually cry, you actually feel happy and a sense of joy afterwards because it's, it's releasing that pain and letting it, letting it go. Because us blokes hold so much pain inside and we don't realize if we turn it around and just let it go, stop resisting it, stop yeah. holding it down, just let it go. And if it means you need to cry, cry. 
you know, do it. Oh man, Chris, you are preaching, bro. I, <laughs> I am so happy you said that. I, I love it because I know I, if I know one person is going to be listening and it's my mother, I know she listens to all the episodes and, and as you're talking, I'm thinking about the funeral that, you know, my grandmother, her mother passed away. And, you know, this was years of her battling cancer and she fought it when it finally happened. It happened. And my mother that whole week, man, was, was so strong. She was so strong that week. It was her and her brother making the funeral arrangements and everything. Mm-hmm. Actually, my sister, you know, my sister, I grew up with, it was me and my older sister. And, you know, we grew up as with the same mother and father. My sister was the first one to speak at my grandmother's funeral. Mm-hmm. And it was like the moment that my sister started speaking, my mother just bawled out in tears. I mean, it was like, you know, a whole, you know, two weeks of making arrangements that I grew up in Maryland and my mother passed away in New York. I mean, not my mother, my grandmother passed away in New York. So my mother was driving up and down all the time, you know, through the hospitals, back and forth. And she was, she had no time to feel. She had no time to feel at all. And I was looking at my mother doing all of these things. And I was just like, oh my God, mom, <laughs> you're driving yourself crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and I remember I was talking to my sister a lot during that time. And when they chose her to be the one to speak at my grandmother's funeral, funeral for the first time, as soon as her mouth is like, as soon as she said one word, my mother just bawls and just cried. And then the next day when we, it was two, it was two services. It was when my grandmother had our regular service. And the next day when they had the uh, burial, my mother just let it out again. And it was like, after that, she was free. She was alive. We were having fun. Everyone was smiling. And we were just so proud of my grandmother for fighting this disease for as long as she did. And, and everyone was just so happy at the repast. We were all, and we're from Trinidad, we were all celebrating and everyone, it was like a release, just like you said. So every, anyone listening in, trust me. And I've had some tragic things happen to me in my life, as has, as has Chris, let it out, man, let it out. Because you don't want to be that person who was just grinding and grinding and grinding and acting like you could just hold this stuff in on your own. You know, mm-hmm. let that stuff out and you will see a release. You will feel life happening. You know, I, I, I celebrate my grandmother now. I, I think of her every single, me and my mother talk at least, at least three or four times every morning. And if you could hear the way she talks about her now, it's like, she's still here. She's still here because she finally let that out. So I'm yeah. so happy you told that, Chris. And, and I appreciate your transparency on that. And just, man, that was good. I, f- I, feel grown, I feel free just giving that story to a, uh, another person, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, man. Thank you. Yeah, that, that, that's beautiful. And now, now I guess I, I guess you sort of answered this question, but what can, well, give us a brief, a brief explanation of what people can expect when they read all your series of books. You know, what was the, the, the meaning or the reason behind, behind, you know, having a series of them and, and how can, how should someone read them? Yeah, I want to say, um, the great thing when my series is that you can read it from one to five Mm-hmm. It's, to be fair but um or you can just cherry pick them um book two for me is the is the sim- most simplest one it's um four steps to overcome anxiety um uh, so three is more about um using foods and um that type of thing uh, to help okay. i see it, yeah um, is it called a uh, successful writer i'm looking at it now that's one oh yeah yeah so that's that's three number four is um fearless confidence which is a really quick book um, again, these done sort of a couple of years ago. Number five is the workbook for to book one, um, and the 
book five is actually my most popular anxiety book. Uh, for some reason, it just it, the sales just phenomenal um, over Christmas. So like, I don't understand, <laughs> but it, I'm quite happy for that, for that to help others as well. Um, Hope over anxiety, how to um, crush crippling anxiety and live the life you love. Um, and then six is basically all four of my best-selling books together in one. And then obviously then you go into my um, fearless author mindset workbook, which again is helping people that are suffering with anxiety to write a book and, and to understand that actually you can be quite happy with what you're doing. And then you've got number eight, which is actually to write the book and understand what your challenges are and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I've got quite a few. Book nine is uh, coming out soon. It's a Facebook one. And then I've got book 10, which is a romance book which is something that um uh oh, really uh -oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one should be fun because it says that what i've done with that is i'm going to use my life experiences in that i'm going to show how a male um should be towards women i'm going to show what vulnerability is going to be you know it's not going to be sort of like a thing but again the, the one to five is that my series is is just basically you know it, you can read it from one to right way through or you can cherry pick uh, particular books um, as I say, they're open and honest. They're, they're not, um, I'm, I'm not there to sort of like, um, they're not award winning books. They're not meant to be. They're very simple and, and easy to understand. They're quite heavy, you know, especially at the start. You know, I'm quite open and honest with it, all my struggles and everything I went through. Um, yes. But uh, they're meant to be inspiring as well. So that's really what, what my books are about. Now, what is there a reason that they're primarily Kindle edition? I've got paperbacks. Oh, you I've do? Got, okay. I, I was curious. I didn't know. I've got, um, I've got paperbacks and I've got audio for one, two, three. Yeah, one, two, and three. And then my book seven, I've got an audio for as well. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I, I thought this was pretty selfless of you when I, when I first saw this on Facebook, is that you have a group on Facebook yeah. called yeah. the Successful Writers Club. Yes, and it, it's yes. to help, you know, people like myself who are new authors and, you know, several people that I have on here that are new authors, it's to help us with our book sales. What, what yeah. led you to starting that? Even though you have a book to sell on your own, obviously. Yeah. Um, if, if I'm honest, um, I help authors that are struggling. And one of the things with being an author is that if you're just, an, you know, if you're going to work, and you know you feel pretty rubbish today um you know mm -hmm. but you go and do your job it's not a problem however if you're going to write and you feel pretty rubbish you ain't gonna write a word it's gonna feel like pushing custard up a hill and what i want to do with successful writers club is, is to show people that there's a reason why there's a stat i don't know whether you know it but the new york times did a study um and they found that 81 percent of americans want to write a book only one percent actually write it and there is a reason why only 1% you know, Yeah, I've, I've heard of something like that. I have, I have something yeah. similar. Uh, I don't know if that was a specific one, but I've definitely heard of something similar. Yeah. It's, like it's there's just, a book in everybody or something like that, right? Yeah. It, it, they just, people find it really difficult and they give up because yeah. you, it's particularly nonfiction. If you're sitting writing a book and talking about what you've gone through, there's a thing that Brenny Brown calls called a vulnerability hangover. So oh yes, yes, yes. I, there's a lot of I love Brene Brown, man. I love her. I just finished the gift of I just finished my first book by the gift of imperfection. Oh wow! 
she, uh, she's got loads of books. She's amazing. I've, I've listened to her yeah. on YouTube. I've listened to her on TED Talk. She's absolutely amazing. She's one of my yes. favourite people of all time. But um, she talks about vulnerability hangover. And she uh -huh. says that when we're being open and honest, then there's actually um, a kickback on that. And it's particularly if you've had a really traumatic experience and you're wanting to write and talk about it, you'll find that actually that brings you back into that and it becomes quite painful to write. So the reason why I wanted to do this Successful Writers Club is to help um, new authors, um, authors that have been doing it for a long time, but to overcome their fears, their stresses and their worries and actually to see that you can make your writing an absolute joy and to have it as something that gives you that, you know, a lot of writers, uh, or I would say authors really, a lot of authors, this is their calling and to write every single day is an, should be an absolute joy on a regular basis. Mm. Most of the time it isn't because of all the all the internal resistance that we have, the anxiety, the fear, and the worry. I mean, um, the two couple of thousand years ago, you know, when we were still in the caves, um, if we voiced our opinion, then there's a high likely if we weren't that wasn't accepted, you'd be kicked out of camp and you'd be you'd be dead. So, but yeah. for, for us for authors to put ourselves out there and to write books, that is how. You know, that's an instinctual feeling of, oh my God, I'm putting my words out there. You know, somebody's not going to like this, so, you know, and that having that real fear and that worry. And I wanted that to sort of like overcome that and sort of see that writing a book is amazing. And also, one of the things as well that I've noticed, and I say this is all part of the reason why I launched it, there's loads of reasons, but one of the big things is mindset. A lot of people yes. go, right, this is a strategy to, to launch a book, this that strategy to launch a book. You can do this, you can do that. You know, um, you can go on BookBub and write a book, you can go on Anis, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, all these advertising um, platforms and stuff. But what they don't do, 20% is strategy, 80% is mindset. If you don't feel that you're good enough, if you feel that actually somebody's going to absolutely poo-poo your book and tell you it's an absolute waste of space and you've got that worry, or actually what's happened to me when I won my second book, what happened to success? That scared me to death. Yeah, you, you'll see that that by just going for it and writing your book and launching it, what is possible and that that fear isn't there at all, but it's just something you're trapped in your own thinking. Um, there's so many strategies that I've put in this uh, book. And again, you know, a lot of people try to follow other people in their success and it doesn't work what you need to understand is that you can pick from other people and it works for best for you. You know, some people go, I've got to work really, really hard. I've got to put a hundred hours in a week to do it. You don't, you don't have to nope. do that. No, nope. nope, not at all. You know, in fact, I think that's actually worse. I think it's one of the worst things you can possibly do. You know, mm -hmm. being creative about having joy is feeling happy. And if you can do that, then your writing is going to be better. You're going to actually be more creative. You're going to actually going to put yourself out there a lot more, which is, the key ingredient for mindset is putting yourself out there, you know, is saying, here I am, this is what I'm doing. You might not have much money. You may not be able to advertise your book the way you want to. You may not have mm -hmm. the knowledge, but if you put yourself out there and actually, you know, say, here I am, this is what I'm doing. And you've got a process. So when people are interested in you being your honest self, you will then be able to then bring them into your audience. So my successful writers club 
really is about mindset and overcoming your own fears. So it, it can be about anxiety, it could be depression. Say so we've got a lot of people in there as well that really suffer with, with depression. Um, I've, I've suffered with both, so I can relate to both. So it, it's, it's gone from eight members to 2,850 now. And I went for a period where I think I grew it from eight to 2,300 in about four months. And I've sort of like slowed wow. down because I want to focus more on the people rather than go, right, let's bring more people in, bring more people in. And actually, what's the most mm -hmm. important thing is taking these people on a journey and, and getting them there. And hearing people go, I'm meditating now. It's like, wow, you know, I feel so much happier. I feel, you know, and this is not just the impact on their work and their writing. It's the impact on their lives, on their family, you know, members. You know, that's yeah. you know, the biggest kick. I, you know, get messages like that saying, you know, I'm, I've been the happiest I've ever been. You know, that, that's all I need. You know, that's all I need from, from a group like that. And, and again, it's with anxiety and with writing. You know, meditation is a massive for me. It's something I'll recommend to anybody, you know, me, you know meditation go do it and not just five ten minutes a day you know to really go um sort of deep in at least an hour a day and even two hours for me i do two hours a day because i know that each morning if i don't meditate i'm gonna be setting myself up for a bad day and i, mm -hmm. I you know i need to make sure i don't so there's a lot in there there's a lot to unpack <laughs> yeah yeah and well what i was going to ask you is is facebook the only way that someone could be a part of it because i i'm thinking of people that that are into meditation and aspiring authors, especially the people that the circle that I've created since I've come out with Swiftly. They're, they're people who constantly ask me, you know, how long did it take you to write this book? And I say, well, the, the book is such a quick read. You can read it in less than an hour. But I put, you know, I kept the diary for over 10 years now. And I put stories from my diary from the past. So yeah, it took me only a few, maybe four or five months to write it. But yeah, this was like years and years and years and years of stuff that I just jotted down because I was dealing with my own anxiety issues and I would write to get stuff off my chest. So I just said, look, it's the right time to share these stories. And I just gave them like a quick, quick piece of it. And they're like, all right, cool. Maybe I could write a lot. So I never, like when I put my book out, I didn't have support like you in the Writers Club. And there, there's so many people that, that I know, including myself, that really want to get in, get in with you and figure out what's the best way to go about it. So is, is Facebook the only way that we could be a part of this? Um, well, I'm currently um, helping people one-to-one -one. and also, um, and obviously that's just through phone call and, and so there's a document that we can work together on, which is something that I've, I've set up, which I think is quite awesome. So all the information and all the tools and resources that we go through, you keep yeah. the document on a Google Doc drive oh okay okay i got you cool well we could talk more about that off here but yeah, yeah i'm um, just curious and, and also um i have a email list as well that um i um I, i've i've slowed up the last sort of couple of weeks but i, I message on a regular basis things that mm -hmm. i feel that are important and again there's a variety of i've got um part of it's people that suffer anxiety and then I've got another group in which I'm growing quite a bit. I think it's come up to uh, 2000 again. I went through a bit of a period where uh, I sort of people that weren't um, engaging anymore. I've, I've taken off and, and I've got back up to that level again. So I've got about 2000 people on, on this subscriber list that I'm, I'm sort of um, helping and just offering advice and being open, honest and vulnerable um, with them so that they can see what's possible in theirs. You know, I'm, I'm really pleased that yes, I've, I've got four, four of my, 
anxiety books are bestsellers in total. I've had six mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I've got a full time job as well, and in you know, being um, successful, and again, successful is a word that I use on purpose because it's actually subjective, you know. Oh, oh, T, jot that down, jot that yeah. one down, love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Chris Moss, preach it. <laughs> it's subjective. It. It's what you what you feel is successful, you know, and so I, I'm I'm really proud of where my books have gone yes. and what they've done but I want more you know and, and again that's something but that, that's how you can reach me if I'm honest at the moment there is going to be some other things that I'm going to be bringing out over the course of the next four or five months I'm doing a course Brendan Bouchard's course um, which is pretty amazing I want to set up a new, few more courses and stuff to, to help people um, overcome mindset and get their sort of books launched as well um, and another thing as well the, the, my book eight is um, basically how to write a book, a non-fiction book you can write in about 10 weeks. You know, mm -hmm. two weeks of that is just um, rough draft, two weeks of rest, which I say okay. rest. But yes, yes. Uh, um, I say rest and it just gives you that time to recharge before you go into writing, the, go back through your book. And it also gives you that space and, and less of an emotional attachment to your book. Because if you write your book and you've got the rough draft done and you go straight into going into edits, self-edits you'll realize that actually mm, um you, you don't realize that you know you, your mind it's it's a natural thing your mind just misses words that you've made errors on so um i that's what i highly recommend in those two weeks you spend your time going around and um getting your blurb set up and, and that sort of thing really um i also recommend when you're writing your book that you get your book cover done very early on because each time you open up your um, document or whatever it is that you're going to use your um you know going to write your book having your cover as you know there in front of your face is ex extremely inspiring and gives you that that's where i'm heading that book that complete oh book and you paperback might, you, you, might, you might be giving them too much for free right now with that one boy that, that, that one was good i'm happy to give as much information as possible as i love say, it man i appreciate you you're welcome. Say like having a paperback in your hands. I yes. imagine we talk about crying and stuff like that. Um, I've seen so many people, men, women, in tears with their first paperback in their hands because it's such an emotional moment. All that mm -hmm. blood, sweat, and tears, all the frustrations. I'm not good enough. My dog could write a better book than this. Um, what happens if it fails? You know, I'm going to be hated. All of that, you know pushing yourself and, and being stuck on a chapter and you can't write anymore and what's going on why can't I write and all that stress and everything and then having that book in your hands and going oh my god mm -hmm. this is real you know that is just no better feeling no better feeling no there isn't there's very few um, feelings to say the only ones that I'd say is higher up there is um, my wife was saying yes to me when I asked her to marry me and, and obviously holding my, my children in my arms yes. I can't think of anything higher, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, listen, for me, it was, I had, a, I had a world history teacher when I was a freshman in high school. It was my birthday. And one of, the, one of my classmates goes, hey, it's Aswan's birthday. And the teacher goes, happy birthday, Aswan. Hopefully with age comes wisdom. So he basically <laughs> called me stupid. He called yeah. me stupid. So when I, when I held that book in my hands, I was about a few months ago for the first time. And that teacher is now the athletic director at my high school. I just looked, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna send him probably about 50 copies. 
Because yeah. Aswell was too stupid to pass a history class, but well, he's not too stupid to write a book, right? So, so yeah. for me, I, God, man, I'm so glad you said because I got me fired. I, I'm thinking about all the, the naysayers and the, the ones that said, oh, Aswell, you're never going to do this. You're just, you're just yeah. an athlete. You're only supposed to, if you don't make it to the league, you're going to just coach. You, like, it was such a pigeonholed environment. It was like a glass ceiling. You know what I'm saying, Chris? So when, when I held that for the first time, it was like, oh, man, the world, my world, the world is, they haven't even seen it. You have not, I'm not, I mean, I am just scratching the surface of the potential because this was one of those things where it was like, Aswan was too stupid for years. Now look at him. And it's not a, like a vindictive feeling, but it's one of those feelings that say, I can do it. Even if you guys never read it, I can be an author. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, uh, for when you, I, 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 this is something I describe, but it's like dealing in dreams. When you write and publish your first book and, and you, you've got the paperback in your hands and, and, and it starts to do, even, even before that, just the fact that you put this book out there, it, it opens up things in your mind and you go, oh my God, you know, mm -hmm. you know when my book, and again, we were talking about Benny Brown earlier, my book was above her in the charts and obviously, you know, long term. Ooh, she's, ooh. That's, a good, that's a good feeling. Yeah, it was. So, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was just like, wow, just absolutely mind blown for me. Um, yeah. But it just opens up, unlocks your mind and just go, if I can achieve this. What else can I achieve? And you just yes. see that actually the world is so small and people like me and you can dramatically affect the world. You know, and, and that's what happened to me. I just thought, I've been, I've been like asleep for 40 years and, and, and now I can see. That's how I sort of saw it with my, um, my book. And, and it's quite powerful as well and having it there. And what people don't realise with writing your book, it's a legacy. So you, when you die, your book is still, um, get, uh, royalties are still given to your family 70 years after your death. So, you know, that's something that, you know, I have as well and and my kids have got something that is there for them in the future that they can pick up and and read um if they need it if they're struggling you know uh, as i say Listen, man, my uh my niece turned 11 yesterday and i was thinking about that all day i mean i i, I graduated college when she was just a newborn like literally just a newborn so we were starting our lives together pretty much and I mean, she's sat, she has attitude now. And I'm like, oh my God, my baby niece is 11 years old. And I had that same thought. I was like, you know what? The book, the books are going to help her later on in life. And she's lost because she, she's, she's getting in that place where, you know, women are developing their own personality. It's like, oh my God, what's going to happen <laughs> to her? And it's like, oh, I, I, I can't, I can't even put it into words, Chris. It's like, they, they grow up so quick. Yeah, they do, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> they grow up so fast. Yeah. Now, my next question, though, and you sort of kind of answered this because you, you explained that you still have a full-time job, but how does being selfless, you know, help with your anxiety issues currently? You know, you, you're a best-selling author, yet you still continue to work, you know, a regular job like you're a normal person. And yeah. I, I, I ask that because one of my favorite books, actually, is, is Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. Have you read that one? Mm -hmm. No, I haven't, no. Well, it's basically, it's a fiction, it's fiction. And it's a boy who goes through the entire novel nameless. And you know, he's going through college, he went through the working world. It's, it's about African-American man who goes through 
the entire story nameless. And there's a period in that book where he's just frustrated because he feels so used. Graduated college and did everything he was asked to do, yet he's not seeing the results that he expected. And let me tell you, I read it, I felt like I was reading my biography. It was recommended to me when I was in high school. I didn't read it in high school, I, but after college, I read it back because my, my teacher was just like so obsessed with it. He was like, look, after college, you guys are gonna love this. But the way he got over being so upset was he, he just accepted the fact that you have to live in this world. There, there's yeah. no hiding around it, much like everyone. So it, it translates into everyone's life. So the, the question is, how does you know, being so selfless and continue to work that job and continue to do all these things that you're doing for people, how does it help with your anxiety issues currently? Um, well, if I'm honest, I work in retail and mm -hmm. pretty much, I'm pretty much out there in COVID land, if that's the right um, word. And being able to say hello to somebody. Well, we, I, I work with a, a company that, that um, as I say, we get a lot of more mature ladies, that, mature people that come into the shop. And the only people that they get to talk to at the moment is me. Mm. So being selfless, it helps me. You know, I've had some, you know, amazing stories recently. You know, there's a gentleman that um, he, he said, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling at the moment. You know, uh, I lost my wife sort of three years ago. We've been married sort of like 50 plus years, which is absolutely oh amazing. Um, and, you know, and she, she had a um, stroke and, and she, she passed away. And, you know, and him being able to sort of talk to me and we just sort of like have a, have a laugh and a, and a sort of a joke as well. Um, you know, uh, another lady that sort of like um, struggles around again having a laugh and joke with her you know um, obviously we have in the UK I think it's the same in the US we have to wear a mask to go to into work and, and stuff and, mm -hmm. and go around shopping and, and she really struggles with that so every so often she sits down and I'm just having a talk with her and, and having a bit of a joke and and, and that you know um, very much gallows humour you know with, with them and so that's what helps me if I'm honest just yeah, trying small to, things, man. Small things. That that man, love it. small things. You know, you never know. And I, I had a similar situation when I was nineteen. I got my job at my first gym, making seven dollars and fifteen cents an hour, being a front desk associate. But at the same time, you know, my manager used to tell me this all the time. You are the first person they see when you walk when they walk in the yeah. gym. And you have no idea what they're going through. They could have been dealing with yeah. a breakup, they could have just had a, a death in the family, whatever it is, they're coming to a gym to relieve stress. And if you simply say, hey, how you doing? What you're working on today? How was the workout? Did you lose that weight? Did you lose the weight? Did you hit your goal? Did you do this? Did you do all these little things? Boom. And as I continue to just do that and do that and do that, much like you, people just started laughing. They start getting drawn to you. And you have no idea how those little things might make a person today because you don't know what they're going through. No, nope. even morning. Um, every mm -hmm. every customer that I I see when I'm um, well, I'm on the shop floor ninety five percent of the time as a store manager, but as I say, everyone I will say, I'll say morning, and you know ninety percent of them go oh morning hello how's it going and then that creates conversation, you know there and you just go. seeing what, where people are at and you know a lot of we have a lot of customers that really don't have many people to talk to at the moment so that's really helps me but again. I'm quite fortunate, and, and I've just been um, given the uh, from my region the mental health champion. I can see people that are suffering before they can, so I have the opportunity as well to sort of like you know just have a chat and and 
and sort of help. Um, you've got to be very careful how you do it as well. But um, yes. that's what you know. Being for me, I think being selfless is one of the most important parts of of anxiety. And you can do far more for somebody else. And it actually, just the, the act of helping somebody else is an amazing lift to you. So you know, by just doing it, not because you know of any reason, but you just want to help. And that mm-hmm. that helps you. You know, and that's where how I, if I'm honest, that's how I see it. Nice, and and that I'm, I'm glad you said that again. But that leads me to my final question: Is what what is the type of connection that you saw between what you're doing and Life Vantage? Um, I think that Life Vantage is an absolutely amazing community, and my mm-hmm. only disappointment is that I can't invest more time in that group of people. They yes. are the it's a, I've got to be honest with you, and I don't often say it's a family. They are the most um, upbeat, supportive, caring group of people that I've met in a long, long time. And it's just great to sort of connect with those people. And, you know, and that's what it is. And, and the ability to, you know, it's not always that they, it's connection. That's all we're really doing with Life Fun. It's in my personal opinion. We're just connecting with people. And um, it's not about, right, okay, let's get the sale. Let's get that sale. It's not about that. It's, it's you know, how are you going? How are things getting on? And just being patient with people as well. You know, because some people are ready to buy now. Some people might not be ready to buy at all, but others will be, might be ready in the future. And it's just, I say, the, the coaching and, the, and the, all the tools that are available, you know, I, I really, I think it's a really great way, if I'm honest. And also the incentives. You know, some of the incentives, if you get sort of high up, you know, you can you get this, you know, I just think, I think it's great. And as I, I've, I've been uh, doing it sort of like a couple of years now, um, obviously in the groups and stuff, but my biggest frustration, because obviously I'm a store manager, my time is extremely limited, which is another reason why I can help other authors, because I have to be very, very vigilant on what I can and can't do and be honest as well, because I know if I do too much, then I'm going to affect my family. And, you know, that's not really what I like doing. You know, sometimes I do, I'll be honest, but um, yeah, I think life finance are great. Um, that's why I'm, I'm still sticking around and still doing it. Um, and I just love the people, you know, they're just, they're just absolutely amazing. You know, the, the videos that they do, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, so that's just my, my personal opinion. I've even my third book and also my seventh book. I've got a chapter on life vantage and oh, you know, man. How, okay. how I can help other people. You know, because you know, you, you just don't realise the impact that these things are. You know, what, what's the, what's the, um, the stat? You know, after thirty days, it reduces your oxidative stress by like over forty percent. You know, that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. That's just amazing, and and in in turn with that, it then helps your it helps your stress levels. It helps mm-hmm. you Helps you to be more in control of your emotions. You know, um, with with the say uh, NRF two, I think it is with the with the focus. Yeah, again, that will help you with the write, with your writing. But having more energy will just spark everything else up in your life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people don't realise that. You know, without anxiety, you your energy levels are extremely low. Because obviously you don't get the sleep you need, or there's an F1, I believe it's an F1 pill that help you. Um, but again, there's structure and stuff that can help you with with anxiety to do that. But you don't have the energy, so you're just fighting all the time, and it's like a vicious circle. You know, by having this, I, I think it's been a major improvement and help for me. And just an example, 
Um, my first two books took me almost two years to write. After I was taking the, both NRF1 and NRF2, I went and wrote three books in, well, actually six books in eight months. Oh, so man, that's incredible. And I did three, I published three books in seven weeks over Christmas during, you know, when I was working in retail. So, you wow. know, that, that's sort that's of like incredible. The level I get to. And, and I feel I'm far more driven now and I'm far, you know, I've got more, a lot more energy. But again, I've got work a little bit more on um, um, working out a bit more and stuff like that as well. And, and what foods I eat, that's got to be something that I improve on. I think I've got a lot better. So for me, I don't have teas. I don't have coffees. I've not had any for three years. I don't drink any alcohol. I've not had anything. Um, I love the smell of coffee. So it's, you know, when it's wafting round, it's like, oh my God. You know, but I won't, I won't touch it because I know that what effect it has on my anxiety because it mimics my anxiety and that's what people don't realize that having a caffeine especially i'm a hsp or infj you know that these 16 personality tests for the myers-briggs you know and yeah. for me you know, it, it sort of stokes it up too much and and I, I don't want to be using that i want to be far more balanced so when i get up in the morning you know i'm, I'm taking the pill i'm 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 energized and ready for the day and then at the end of the day you know I'm on a level playing field rather than being right up here and high as a kite as it were when the first part of the day because I've had loads of caffeine and you know I'm full on anxiety and then crashing at sort of four or five o'clock which I did in the past you know I got home and I was falling asleep at the table you know that's that's not fair is it you know my, my, the kids want to see me and I'm I'm you know I'm barely keeping myself awake so I think that's what's helped me. I'd say that for me, the biggest thing is the family. It's a sense of family and a sense of community and the sense that we're all helping each other. That's what I like about life on edge. Yeah, for, I, I like the, uh, the patience of it though. You know, the yeah. patience was really yeah. cool. I've, I've been a part of several network marketing companies and the guy that I, always, I would always work, I used to work with a lot when evaluating them, he was all about money. He was all about money, and, and I, I could picture him saying, it's not a lot of products, we can't make a lot of money, let's move on to something else if it doesn't work. And with this, the patience of it, like you said, the actual product that works, and it, it just kind of boils down to human behavior. If you're going to be pushing any product, you better be damn sure it works. Because yeah. there's enough nonsense out there, especially in my industry, I'm in fitness, there's mm. enough nonsense and garbage out there that you better be sure that you're pushing the right stuff because you're causing more harm than good. If people are coming to you for fitness related and you know they want to de-stress, the patience and the aspect that this is the specific product you need, that's what I loved about it. Because everyone was so patient with me when I first got on. When I, I've only, I haven't been on for a year yet. It's only been a few months, but everyone has been so patient in regards to make it so you find the right line to where this is specifically the people you're targeting. And that's the yeah. key to business and everything, you know, so that the patience I love. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Very, very patient, very, very patient group of people. All right, Chris. So we've, we've come to the end. The last thing I like to do is I do this thing called word association. I'm going okay. to say four words and you just give me a one word answer of what you think when you hear these four words. Okay. Cool? Yep. All right, word, word number one, reading. Joy. I <laughs> love it, love it. All right, <laughs> word number two, success. In progress. There we go. 
We're number three, information. Key. Final word, stress. Bust it. Bust it, all <laughs> right, my man. Uh, now, before I officially wrap up, is there anything else you wanna plug or anything else you wanna say before I officially close? Uh, not at all. All I was to say is anybody um, that's listening to this and you know just would like some advice, um, I'm here um, to, to help you. Um, I won't always respond straight away because obviously I'm quite busy and we've also got the uh, UK, US sort of six hour, eight hour sort of differences. But um, I'm here to help anybody really. Even if, even if just when I have a chat and to sort of, uh, you know, I'm, this is what I'm struggling with, you know, I'm quite happy to talk. All right, Christopher Moss. Well, we definitely appreciate you. Fellow teammates, continue to move swiftly. We will talk more soon. Thank you. Most incredible, baby. Yeah, yeah. I can't see him coming down my eyes, so I gotta make the song cry. I can't see him coming down my eyes, so I gotta make the song cry. Good dude, I know you love me like cook food, even though it's Gotta move like a crook move We was together on the block since free lunch We should've been together having four seasons brunch We used to use umbrellas to face the bad weather So now we travel first class to change the forecast Never in bunches, just me and you I loved your point of view cause you held no punches Still I left you for months on end It's been months since I checked back in We're somewhere in a small town Somewhere locking them all down Wood grain, foreign change, armor all down I can understand why you want a divorce now Though I can't let you know it Pride won't let me show it Pretend to be heroic That's just one to grow it But deep inside it So sick I can't see him coming down my eyes So I gotta make the song cry I can't see him coming down my eyes So I gotta let the song cry I can't see it coming down my eyes So I gotta make the song cry I can't see it coming down my eyes, so I gotta make the song cry. On repeat, the CD of Biggs, me and my b watching Barney and Clyde, pretending to be that empty in your hand, saying, Let me see that shopping sprees, pull out your visa quick. Had very bad credit, you helped me lease that whip. You helped me get the keys to that V.6. We were so happy, poor, but when we got rich, it's when the signals got crossed and we got flipped. Rather mine, I don't know what made me leave that. Made me speed that quick Let me see, that's it It was the cheese Help them get amnesia quick I used to cut up their buddies Now they saying they love me Used to tell their friends I was ugly And wouldn't touch me Then I showed up in that dubbed out buggy And then it got fuzzy And they don't remember that And I don't remember you I can't see it coming down my eyes So I gotta make this song cry I can't see it coming down my eyes So I gotta make this song cry yeah, I seen them coming down your eyes, but I gotta make this song cry. I can't see it coming down my eyes, so I gotta make this song cry.
A face of stone was shocked on the other end of the phone. Word back home is that you had a special friend. So what was oh so special then? You have given away without getting at me. That's your fault. How many times you've forgiven me? How was I to know that you was plain sick of me? I know the way a n- living was whack. She don't get it back like that. I'm a man with pride. You don't do like that. You don't just pick up and leave and leave me sick like that. You don't throw away what we had just like that. I would just them girls. I was gonna get right back. They say you can't turn a bad girl good. But once a good girl's gone bad, she's gone forever. I'm on forever. I gotta live with the fact I did you wrong forever I can't see them coming down my eyes So I gotta make the song cry I can't see them coming down my eyes So I gotta let the song cry I know I seen them coming down your eyes But I gotta make the song cry I can't see them coming down my eyes So I gotta make the song cry